Philippians chapter 4, verses 14, to the conclusion of the chapter, joy in your finances. Well, this morning we look at the church once again at Philippi, the epistle of joy that Paul penned some number of years ago from prison cell to try to instruct us about how to live a life that was a glorifying to Christ. Basically, it was a kind of a receipt letter for their giving, their faithfulness. And uh, he had first visited Philippi some 10 years earlier than when the book is actually written. And he writes amid enormous spiritual opposition that's coming against believers there. Silas earlier had been beaten and arrested, him and Paul. They'd been put in chains. Remember, they got released at midnight through an earthquake. Cool deal there. Look at Acts 16. But here's the thing, the life of Paul. Paul knew what it was to be abandoned or perplexed, but not knocked out, not crushed. And he knew what it meant to count the cost of following Christ. He finds himself there in the prison jail cell where he records this, where he writes this letter for us. And so his, his life just echoes, I know what it means to be a disciple. I know what it means to pay a price. I know how to be grateful to have and to not have. Last weekend we talked about contentment, learning to be content. We learned here that we can learn, we can experience contentment as we ask God, as we ask Him to pour it out and teach us. Here in this particular section of Scripture today, we find some accounting terms. Some of you are accountants or you like accounting or you don't like accounting, but giving and receiving and assets and credits. And you read different translations and you'll see like accounting terms that just kind of come out through this message. And yet Paul gets supported financially by the church at Philippi. They, they send a gift ahead. They send a gift to support him for the needs that he had. Right across the top of your outline today, I wrote, do you have an I-E-A? See, if I'd have written on there, do you have an I-R-A, you'd go, I got an R-A. And an R-A stands for investment. You don't have one, do you? You might consider that, okay? Just write in the margin. Probably should look up having an IRA. Okay, investment retirement account. But what is an IEA? It's an investment eternal account. And only God grants those. And we get to build our portfolio spiritually when we give to the Lord. And everybody in the room, everybody needs to have an IEA. Whether you have a mite, a little bitty income, or a middle income, or a really large income. You need to be investing in eternity. And the church said, I mean, this is the account. You're going to ask me, or when we get to heaven, you're going to go, man, I wish I'd have participated. I wish I would have contributed. Have you ever heard that? If, if you're older and you're getting older, people said, oh, you should have made contributions when you were younger. Well, this is one, you better make contributions while you're living. Because, you know, this is the one that you get to send ahead on the glory. I think about over the almost four decades of walking with Christ, I've had the joy of being a spiritual participant and with my wife. And we've been doing that together for the riches and the glory of our master, that the kingdom of Christ would be advanced. And so many of you participate in the IEA. And today there might be some that go, I think I need to participate I wrote down here some things you might just want to write in the margin. They're not in your notes, but I thought they were good points. Why do you give? Some give because of legalism. They just give because it's been driven into them. It's just kind of a legalistic thing. But that's the wrong motivation. That's why you give, just because of legalism. Some give because you'll get. 
You've been taught if you give, you'll get. So you give out of selfishness. That's not a good reason to give. Another reason people give is to give because they have. Because they have so much, they feel guilty, and they feel like they better give a little something to God. And that's not a good motivation to give. And some give because they did. It's a habit. They gave last year, so they ought to give a little bit this year. And that's not a good reason to give. But Paul, I think, really nails it. Paul teaches us in Philippians to give because we... Are you ready? I want you to write this down. You give because you care. The church at Philippi, man, they cared deeply for their brother in Christ, their teacher, their leader. They cared for the needs of Christ, for the gospel to go forth. And they cared. And I just want to say to you, so many of you care deeply, bless you, and thank you for the ministry of Christ Community Church because of your giving. Things are happening in Montgomery. I wish you could be out here on a Wednesday night. Some of you are, some of you aren't. Uh, there's teenagers everywhere. I mean, it's just amazing over here in this building. There's children and youth and young adults and older adults. We've just finished our semester of small groups. And all that happens because people give. We've got a big mission trip to Mexico this summer. That's because you give. We'll build our eighth house in Mexico, and that's because you give. We support missionaries, and that's because you give. Hey, let me just say this. This morning, because you gave, there's air conditioning in here. And I go, thank you, Jesus. Oh, you didn't think it was cool? I do. See, I'm under these lights right now, and I'm roasting. But the air, you know what? I preached years ago. I preached in a, I've actually preached a couple times in outdoor, outdoor tabernacles. I don't recommend it. One was in Oklahoma, and one was in Kentucky. And it was summer in both occasions. And you think I sweat here. Sweat was profusely running off the brother, just running down. I was making a sacrifice unto the Lord. And I left there, and the pastor goes, I'm preaching that every Sunday. And I go, blessed are you. I'm going back to Alabama because we got air conditioning. And you laugh. Some of you that are old, and I won't call you out, do you remember funeral homes? I just thought of this. You remember funeral homes used to pass out these little fans? And whoever advertised to be on there, you go, well, uh-huh, uh-huh, well. And you wave those things. Don't you praise God we don't hand those out to you on Sunday morning and you just do this. Young people are going, you crazy. No, that's what you call survival if you're in one of those churches that doesn't have air conditioning. You know what I'm saying? All right, here we go. So Philippians teaches us to give because we care. Did you know that Jesus spoke more about money than he did any other subject in the Scriptures? It's amazing. Five times more did he speak about money than he did prayer. There's 2,000 verses plus about money in the Scriptures. God's checking our hearts to see where we are. But let's pick it up here, Philippians 4, verse 14. Yet, it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you of Philippians know, in the early days of our acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me again and again when I was in need. Not that I am looking for a gift, but I'm looking for what may be credited to your account. I've received full payment and even more. I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. I love that. They're a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. And he continues on this section as he finishes out the letter. 
And so as we look at God's word, I'm just thinking about there's a partnership in the gospel. And the people there had a partnership with Paul. See, some people go and some people send. And all are called to support. And because you give, me and Chris and all the staff around here, we get to, we get to participate, we get to lead, we get to serve you in capacities, and, and you pay our salaries, and we're grateful for that. And then we send missionaries, and we have missionaries on the field, and, and they went, but you send. And see, God's always had this partnership thing. And partnership is for the body of Christ. And God's got a plan of how he's trying to cover the church this morning. Now, if you'll notice, I'm not into manipulation. I'm not into emotional appeals. See, I know this. God's given me ability to speak lots of words. And the church said, That's, yeah, thanks a lot. You don't have any problems saying amen on that one. <laughs> and, and, and I can. I, I can speak a lot of words. And I have learned over the years, I know how to be persuasive. And I know how to manipulate y'all. You're like, you do? Right now, I've got you under the spell. No, 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 don't worry about that. You know when you go to the movie and you didn't really want a popcorn and Coke, but they did all those little subliminal messages, and all of a sudden, you know, you're out there spending, you know, you got a bank loan to go get something? Yeah, okay. But we know we can get certain music, we can do certain things, we can tell certain stories. There's no doubt. I know how to manipulate people. I choose not to. Because manipulation is not godly, and the church said. And emotional pills don't cut it. We don't do pledge cards around here. One year we did pledge cards. It was a disaster. It's okay if churches do it. A lot of churches have even gotten away from it that used to do it. But the bottom line is, we don't do pledge cards. We don't do this. We've, we've had some building campaigns, and we had cards for that. But at the end of the day, we're asking you to give to the Lord. And when we offer our gifts to the Lord, He's glorified. And that's your responsibility and my responsibility to give. But not for me to get up here and coerce you, just to teach God's Word. And I pray the Holy Spirit will convict you. Because there are bills, and we do have challenges, and, and God's got a way how He wants to do this. So every gift that we give is an investment in a spiritual bank account. Write that down. Every gift you give to the Lord is an investment in eternity. And I pray that you're building that, that that portfolio is bigger than any portfolio that you could derive or develop on this planet. A scripture, a whole section, I don't have time to get there, but 2 Corinthians 9 would be a great parallel section to read this afternoon or this week if, if you're not convinced a little bit more about joyful giving to the Lord. So... Sometimes we operate under assumptions or wrong assumptions, but here's what I pray. That Jesus would transform your heart and mind, and I would grow more into being a more mature believer in Jesus than I was last year. And out of response and obedience to my heart, I would give to Christ and to his church, and I would put Christ first, and Christ would multiply the gifts for the advancement and the expanding of his eternal kingdom. That's what I pray. That's what I live for. That's what I trust Christ for. And that, Lord, I don't want to do this by myself. Lord, I want to do it with you, and I want your grace, and I want your mercy. But, God, I pray that the people here would experience the presence and the generosity of Christ. And as we give, we would make it a sweet aroma in your face. And, and, and when we don't give, we're being disobedient. And I could give you lots of messages on that, and that's not really the reason. I just let the Scriptures speak to you. I think the Scriptures speak a lot louder than I do. I think the Scriptures have the power of God, and they have conviction for your heart. So God, shape us. Martin Luther, the great reformer, said there needs to be three conversions. And those three conversions are simply this. Head, heart, you want to guess the third one? Pocket. 
head, heart, pocket. And a lot of times he gets the head and the heart and the pocket doesn't come. And I think that Christ wants to transform even our pocketbook, our checkbook, our online giving, our giving in church, whatever it is. Lord, I put you first. So how do believers treat finances? I think they treat them responsibly. I think they treat them according to the Word of God. Just do a word search on giving. Just begin to do this on your own. I'm going to try to unpack verses, and I'm going to try to speak authentically and with power. But at the end of the day, I want you to have your walk with Christ. And I want you to follow Christ according to what Christ has put in your heart. But not in the natural, in the supernatural, as God gives conviction. Verse 14, we'll go back to the text. I love this. He says, it was good of you to share in my troubles. A key word there is share. Some translations use it. I'd circle it in your Bible. God wants you and I to share. Uh, That we share in distress, we share in affliction, we share comfort, we share our goods, we share our resources, we share our lives, we share our prayers, we share. We give, we receive. You see, the Judaizer said, it's Jesus plus something. I'd say it's Jesus, period. By grace are you saved, lest any man should boast. Lord, I rejoice in you. I trust you. I love that God says, I love a cheerful giver. I've told you before, but I'll tell you again. In the Greek, the word is hilarious. And it means when we give, it should be the happiest moment in the service that everybody dies laughing and we enjoy it. But it is not. Matter of fact, nobody ever laughs. I can't even watch people during the giving because they frown at me. And then some people give with great joy. We do online giving because that's kind of the way a lot of our world's doing. It's good, and we receive that. We get checks during the week, and we take an offering on Sunday, and I, I keep praying about, God, how do you want to do this offering? And then some churches get these giving boxes, and they just put them on the wall, and they don't have an offering, and that's a cool way to do it. But I just, just me, I just think there's something good about being able to give and it's a, uh, it's a participatory part that we give our offering to the Lord. So we take an offering that you might. You don't have to. You just might. You might respond in obedience to Christ. So God loves a cheerful giver. But listen to this. God loves a cheerful receiver. See, some of you receive stuff. Oh, oh no. Oh, no. Not me. I, I, I'm a worm. I should not have anything. I don't want any. And some of you are like, oh, where are they at? Because I'll take theirs. No, you're greedy. Okay. But... So cheerful givers he likes, but he likes cheerful receivers. So when God has blessed you, receive that. The Bible says every good and perfect gift is from above. How many believe that? My God is good. How about your God? My God has poured out so many blessings on my life, spiritually, emotionally, relationally, family, financially, health. On and on and on. I could just go down categories of my life. So look at the three principles this morning. Get ready to write them down. Generosity is commanded here in the scripture. It's, co- it, it, it's commendable. It's, uh, it's, co- it's to be commended. It, it's to, to participate. It's to share in the giving, to support the ministry there that they had. And, you know, money, I, I read this and I thought it was good, so forgive me. Money is like manure. If you pile it up, it stinks. But you spread it out, it flourishes. Okay, some of you are going to get it this afternoon, okay? Okay, if, if you work in the garden, you understand you don't just get man, a manure pile. You spread it around and things fertilize and they grow. But when you spread out your finances, 
the kingdom gets finances. It's just a principle that God has. In 1 Kings chapter 8, David was commended for giving, and he gave well, and he gave open-handed, not tight-fisted. I want you to just think about that this morning. Take your hands out in front of you and just open them up. Just take your hands and open them up. Look at them. Some of you are going, hmm, I need to wash my hands. Some of you are looking at them going, boy, I got some big calluses. Some of you are looking at, can I flip them over? Oh, look at those pretty nails. They look so pretty. If you're a guy, I'm talking to you after service. That's another message for another day. Okay. No, open-handed. That's what God wants you and me to do. He wants us to be open-handed. God, all that I have is yours. I lay it before you, King Jesus. You are the Lord of my life. And all the possessions that I have and all that I will acquire in this life, I give back to you, King Jesus. So, Lord, what would you do with your finances? If we just begin to pray prayers like that, he will direct. I won't have to try to manipulate you or coerce you the Holy Spirit. And can I tell you, I think there will be money in the treasury at the church and we will do greater things for the cause of Christ because we've been generous and we've been obedient. So you're saying, wow, you're not beating us up too bad. And then he moves on down here. In verse 17, he talks about there will be a reward. It will be um, credited to your account. It, it goes forward. There's a financial investment. You know what I've learned? You and I can't control our situations. Nobody in this room can control your situation. He's, he's a sovereign God. He rules over us. But he says, I will credit your account. You can receive things in full when you give to me. Bring it. Present it. In verse 18, he talks about pleasing God, well-pleasing, offering sacrifices. In the Old Testament, in the tabernacle, I was telling the guys this morning, they would offer their incense. They would offer this pleasing aroma. And can y'all imagine... We're, we're walking downtown Jerusalem in the marketplace. Just go there with me. Open-air market. Nobody's driving their car. And we're just going. And all of a sudden, you stop, and you have this smell. And you're smelling these pleasing aromas to the Lord because incense is being burned in the temple. You read about it there in Scripture. All through the Scripture, just look up the word incense, and you'll see where it's pleasing to the Lord. It's an aroma. It's like they were having a backyard barbecue. They were roasting lamb. They were making incense. It was a sweet, acceptable aroma. Now, in our day, we don't know nothing about open market. All we smell in our churches is coffee, maybe some pastries or a donut, but not incense to the Lord. So this was pleasing. This was right. And treasures where our hearts are. And we bring our tithe to the Lord. We bring our offerings. We acknowledge him. And in this letter, Paul's just having an acknowledgement that y'all have been faithful. I want to thank y'all for your gift. Your gift is good. Your gift is gener generous. You've sacrificed. And as you sacrifice, it's gone forward. The second point is the interest is compounded. You see, when you give to the Lord, it does stuff that you don't even know to the other side. See, by your faithfulness, friend, let me brag on you. Because of your faithfulness for 20 years, this church has been a light to the community and to the world with the gospel. Because of your generosity, many people have come to know Jesus Christ. Many people have come back to Christ. Every week, I get lots of texts and emails from our military families all over the globe that this was a place they came to Christ, came back to Christ, grew in Christ, matured in Christ, and it was because of your giving. It's just a sweet thing the way the Lord does it. He compounds that. I look forward to the day of getting to heaven 
and somebody coming up to me and saying, you never knew me, but because of your faithfulness, because of your gift, I met Christ. Because you gave. See, when you give, you're giving to the Lord. You're not giving to the local church so much. You're giving to Christ. The Bible says, lay up your treasures in heaven. And we like the one, lay up your treasures on earth. And Jesus says, no, lay them up in heaven. See here, in verse 19, giving is rewarded. And when you look at verse 19, I memorized it years ago. It gets quoted out of context all the time because you see, Every text has a context. Somebody write that down. Every text has a context. When you isolate a verse, it becomes a pretext. And you can take verses out of the Bible and they become a pretext and that's not what it means. You haven't read it in the totality of God's Word. My God shall supply all your needs according to His riches in Christ Jesus. That is truth. But if you let that verse just dangle, if you will, and, and you isolate it, and you go, and my God is ob obligated to meet all my needs, and you add in there my wants, you missed it. God has requirements for giving. He has prerequisites to giving and how it works. And I'll try to break some of this down because Warren Wiersbe says, he paraphrases this verse, he goes, you met my need and God is going to meet your need. You met one need that I have, but my God will meet all of your needs. You gave out of poverty, but God will supply your needs out of his riches and glory. Rick Warren, the great writer from California and pastor of the Purpose Driven Life and the Purpose Driven Church, he says, it says, God will. It doesn't say he might meet your needs. He will meet your needs to those that give, to those that are faithful. Now, a lot of times, what our needs and wants are, they're two different things. And a lot of times we get frustrated because we're like, God did not meet all my greeds. I mean, all my needs. But he met all my needs. And I believe he does. The Bible says you'll never see the righteous forsaken and begging for bread that the Lord will provide. Now, he might put us through some real stringent tests. But then people will go, well, God didn't meet my financial needs. Will he fail me? And you begin to get it out of context and you begin to... Say, but here's some things that I like that Rick says that here's some prerequisites. You might want to write them down. If I ask for his help, that's a start to getting my needs met. I ask him. I depend on him. I don't look to my employer or my sponsor or my business or my wife or my friends or my fiance or whoever. I look to Jesus. And the church said, so I ask God to meet my needs. Secondly, I learn to be content with that which he gives me. That's Previous verses we talked about last weekend, go back and watch it on the web, but you have to learn to be content. It's part of getting in on God's agenda. Third, if I practice my giving, but I give in faith, that's what honors Jesus Christ. God, I want to give in faith. The fourth thing, if I maintain financial integrity and I'm obedient and I bring my first fruits and I give to the Lord, God honors that. And then fifthly, I trust my life completely to him and not to any other. Lord, I look to you, and then God says, I will supply. I will meet your needs according to my riches. How many of you think God's got unlimited riches? I do. God's riches never run out. Let me give you some verses just to write down. These are good. Romans 2, 4. The Bible says the riches of his goodness. Ephesians 1, 7. It says the riches of his grace. Philippians 4, 19. It says riches in glory. God's got riches. And he wants to share them. 
but he has some things that he wants us to do. It's like God does his part, but he wants us to do our part. And part of that is being an obedient, faithful guy. I read a story about Harry Ironside that he's a, he was a great teacher, and I found this story fascinating. Listen to this. He says, everybody wants to go around spouting Philippians 4.19 and saying, God, you've got to do this, and God this, and God that. But yet my prayers don't seem to be answered like I want them to be. So he went on to preach one time in Fresno, California. as was his custom. He didn't ask for any financial guarantees when he went to this community, to this church. But he went simply in faith that God would provide. For some reason, things didn't work out. In the middle of his meetings, he ran out of money. Now, that's not good. Hungry and broke, he was forced to leave his hotel room. He had to check out. He put his bag in a drugstore until he found a place to stay. Not a very good way to treat your visiting evangelist, okay? By his own testimony, Harry Ironside said he got angry with the Lord. God, Philippians 4, 19, you said you shall meet all my needs according to your riches in Christ. And he sat with the Lord. And the Lord revealed to him, Harry, you become very selfish. You've become very sloppy. You've, you've got some sin in your life. And he began to clean it up. And then he received a letter from his dad. And his dad said this, I've been meditating, son, on Philippians 4, 19. My God shall supply all your needs. And he added these words, The Lord has promised to give me whatever I need. And if I ever need a starving, I'm sure he'll give that to me too. The Lord spoke to Harry and said, that was for you. In the moment he realized that his greatest need had been to go without food and a place to stay so that he would turn his heart back to God. Here's why I tell you that story. It could be that you're just trying to live on this 419 and you're not being obedient to Christ. And it might be that you've turned your heart and your heart's grown a little cold. Or you put idols in front of the Lord and the Lord says, I want your attention. I'm a jealous God. I love you with an everlasting love, with an everlasting fire. And, and it could be through that there's a turning. And as the turning come, the riches of his grace and the riches of his goodness come. And the church said, amen. But you're like, well, let's get back to that part where God just gives you lots of fun things and everything you want. Uh, that, that's the part I want. That's called not gospel. I don't know what that is. That's like man-made religion. So a promise to us, God makes. He gives the promise to generous and sacrificial givers. And I just want you to ask yourself, as I ask myself, Lord, am I a faithful, sacrificial giver? And if I'm not, then Lord, align my heart up with that. There's some verses that are going to come up on the screen here. Or let me just give you giving is rewarded. Just write that down. The third thing is, so it's, it's to be commended, interest is compounded, giving is rewarded. It's just critical that you get that this morning. But there's some verses. Is this one going to come up? Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so there may be food in my house. That's what the Lord says. And test me. And you've heard me say before, it's the only time God says test me is in giving. I don't still get that, but God says test me. Okay? Be faithful. And see what I can do. And if I will not open up the windows of heaven, how many believe that God has the ability and the desire to open up the windows of heaven and pour out so much blessing we can't contain it if we would be obedient to Jesus Christ? Only 10 of you. How many of you believe that God would pour out a blessing from the windows of heaven if we were obedient? Then why aren't we doing it? Oh, no, 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 that was a trick question. You manipulated me. Don't do that. I want you to be obedient to Scripture. Look at the next one. 
Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaking together, running over. Don't you love that? I just, I just think that's cool. They will pour into your lap for by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you in return. And God's just trying to get our attention here. He wants us to give fully. He wants us to release it to him to be a blessing to his heart. And then Acts 20, 35, as it comes up. In everything, I showed you that by working Hard in this manner, you must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus that to himself he said, It is more blessed to what? You don't believe that, though, do you? It didn't sound like it. It is more blessed to. Let's take another offering because you just said it was more blessed to give than receive. <laughs> that would be manipulation. I heard a story this week. I thought this was horrible. There was this preacher in a community, and the church was exploding. And he, I don't know, the guy was great at coercing people. And he ended up, he, uh, to the offering, they had a table, and it was sitting about there on the second row. And you had to bring the offering there. And you couldn't have communion because the communion table was here. And to get to the communion table, you had to come by the offering table to get to the communion table. So next weekend, we're going to do communion that way. No, we're not. Jesus paid for the table. That would be manipulation. Now, I got to tell you, I thought about it. I said, wow, that was, that was crazy. Well, let me tell you what I found out about that church. That church closed down. Yeah. So we're not going to manipulate. Jesus invites us to follow him. Whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. That's good news, church. We call upon Christ. We trust Christ. We're not trying to manipulate, but we want to be obedient. I'm just trying to teach you the full counsel of God. 2 Corinthians 9, 6, I believe it'll come up. Now this I say, he who sows sparingly shall also reap sparingly, and who sows bountifully shall also reap bountifully. Are you sowing with a generous heart? If you are, you're probably reaping. You're saying, no, I'm a stingy giver. I gave all of $100 last year. Oh, Okay. So you didn't have much of an income last year. Oh, no, I had a big income. I'm just stingy. Mm, okay. Well, uh, listen to this message for you. You need to go to remedial school. Listen to it over and over and over. Let God speak to your heart. Let him change your heart. 2 Corinthians 9, 7. Let each of you just do just as he's purpose in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. I love what he says that. Hebrews 13, 16. Do not neglect doing good and sharing, for with such sacrifices, God is pleased. I'm just trying to build a biblical case, and then you can go talk to the Father, and you go, I mean, there's one thing about it. When you leave here, you go, I don't like him. Okay? And somebody like, I did like him, especially when he was funny, but when he does that other thing, that God thing, that's what I do. But when I give you God's word and you go talk to the Father, I talk to him. I got all kinds of things I talk to him about and I don't like, but they're scriptural. And when I obey him and apply that to my life, the blessing of God seems to follow. Just my flesh. Some, does anybody have grade A flesh but your pastor in the room? Do you, some of you have real strong flesh. Your flesh has a hard time surrendering sometimes. Anybody? Yeah, just go ahead and hold your mate's hand up. Just go ahead and hold it high. Not your hand, just theirs. No. Some of you are so sweet. Some of us are still at work. Okay, let's go on. Have you ever noticed there's not a scripture in the Bible that says, hoard all your money until the Lord comes again? If it is, would you, would you call me this week and say, Pastor, I want to share it with you. I found it. Because I think that's the way America lives. We hoard. Have you ever watched the show Hoarders? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a sickness. It's, it's tough. They have a hard time. 
And sometimes, as, as weird as that looks, we do that in the church of Jesus. We go, I'm hoarding until he comes again. No, the Lord says, release it. Let's look at the outline quickly. Mature giving gives with awareness of need. You're informed giving. You're aware of what the Lord has put in your heart to give. You look at the scriptures. The second one is this. Mature giving gives when no one else gives. You're saying, well, so-and-so didn't give. has nothing to do with it. You give because Christ has put it in your heart because you're obeying Christ. And the third, mature giving gives again and again and again and again. But it's somebody else's time. It might be, but it's going to be your time again too. And we give. And we give cheerfully. And we give in a hilarious manner because we know somehow Christ is magnified in that. And then I just want you to move down to the, the descriptions of a gift from the right heart. It, it says it here in the scripture, but I just wanted to, to outline it so you could see it a little clearer. A fragrant offering when we give, that smoke that rises to the Lord. Lord, I want to give that pleasing. I, I told the guys this morning, this, this will set it up. You know how when somebody walks in the room and you smell their cologne, you go, whoo, man, they smell good. And that woman walks by like, whoa, man, too much. Or she walks by and goes, whoo, sweet thing. Okay, now if you're married, don't say sweet thing. But, here, but here's the deal. You know aromas, and they're pleasing to you. The Lord says, I want you to be a sweet fragrance to my name. And then look at the next one he gives. But I want you to have an acceptable sacrifice. A love for Christ. A love for Christ that is complete. A love that, for Christ that is mature. And it says, well done. And then the other one, it's pleasing to God. It just pleases God. When your kid gives, you are pleased, aren't you, fathers? Okay, not rhetorical. Dads, when your kids give, you are pleased, right? I am. I love it when my kids give. My kids love to give. I'm grateful for that. But how much more is my heavenly Father pleased when I and you give to the Lord. I think he goes, man, I'm pleased. That's acceptable in my sight. Don't be stingy, Keith. Give it away. Doesn't it feel good when you give something? I, I, there was a lady a couple years ago, she came to me, she goes, you know what? She goes, I kind of like your preaching sometimes, but sometimes it gets on my nerves. I'm like, oh, okay. And she said, you know, sometimes you talk about that giving thing. She goes, I, I, I don't know what I think about that. And then she can't tell me more that. She goes, you know what? She goes, I gave for the first time in my life. She was 40 years old. She says, it felt good. I said, well, good. You were obedient. And then I walked off. He said, I like you sometimes too, and sometimes I don't. No, no, I, that would have been, no, I just went. She, I mean, but she came to me, she goes, it just felt so good to give. I gave a big gift to the Lord today, and I don't usually do that. And I wanted to say, why not? But anyway. I'd share that with you. Maybe they'll encourage somebody. Somebody's going, hey, I'm determined in my heart to give. I want to watch him meet my needs. Like today, if you go out to lunch, don't give a quarter tip. Don't give the little tip in your pocket. You know, when we go out to eat, we usually give at least 15, 18, 20%. You know, I mean, that's just, that's just what you do. Maybe you're like, well, not me. I'll give 25. Well, I want to work at your restaurant. You're generous. Some of you are like, tip? I ain't tipping. I charged too much for the food. <laughs> Stingy, hoarder, didn't have to listen to anything I said. But be generous. But, you know, if, if, if we give in the world, we give 15%, like, what's the big deal when God says give 10 and I'll allow you to live on 90? 
you're like, oh, that's a pretty good deal, God. Just be generous. Just do it with joy. Lord, I trust you. Uh, Lord, the, the word in the Greek is just, I've learned to give, to be content. I've learned to give that it's full to the brim, overflowing playroom. I like that word, just playroom. It means making full. So we give, and it will be given to us, the Lord says. God's the greatest giver. When I give and you give, it's an expression of my heart to say, God, it's not mine anyway. I'll return it back to you. And with joy in my heart, I, I pray with joy in our hearts, we respond to Christ and we, and we give back to him. And we say, Lord, to you be the glory forever and ever. He, he, he goes through his letter here and he greets all the saints in Christ and he, he sends their greetings and he's loving them and wrapping them. You know, the guy's in jail, okay? In verse 22, all the saints send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household, because a number of those have come to faith in Christ. And he goes, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen and amen because you've shared. So there's three points just to walk away with. Team, come. Three quick points. You're saying, you just took 30 minutes to do three points. You're going to give us three more? Yeah, in 30 seconds. Ready? Here we go. Giving is good, so be generous. Giving's just good. It's a good gift. It's a good thing to do to the Father, so be generous, the Lord would say. Be open-handed. Giving means I can be fruitful. And fruitful means I can be generous. So just be generous. Be uh, cautious where you give. I know there's a lot of TV preachers and radio people and a lot of great teachers, and you give there. That's awesome. But just be careful where you give and when you offer your gifts. Is it being uh, uh, a good uh, representative of the dollars that we entrust to them? And the third is, your needs will be supplied according to his riches in Christ. So it means be joyous as you give. That's what I hope today you walk away from here going, well, this series has been about joy. And it wound up with us being joyful in our giving, and I haven't been, but I want to be from this point forward. So across the very bottom of your worship guide, I want you to see that verse from the Amplified Bible. I, I had to put it in there. And my God will liberally supply, fill until full, your every need according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. May God grant you the desires of your heart. May God fill you abundantly and immeasurably more than you can ask. That you in return might be a blessing to the kingdom of Christ and to the honor and the glory of our Father. Let's pray. Lord, it's good to be in your house today and... Uh, Lord, I know the Word's pressed us today. The Word has squeezed us. I pray it's conforming us. And my diligent hope is that we would loosen our hands from the things of this world and we would freely give as you've given to us. Mark our lives by generosity in this place, Lord Jesus. Make our lives a light to shine against the dark culture that we live in. But may we be joyful as Philippians has taught us in these three months together. May our lives be marked by the presence of Christ, a transformed heart, and a new spirit. For Jesus Christ, you are Lord over your church. May you be Lord over our lives. Until you come again, God's people said, Amen.